0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity titled Acute Kidney Injury, Finding a Pathway to Improved Patient Outcomes is provided in partnership with Prova Education and supported by an independent educational grant from BioMeru. Before starting this activity, please be sure to review the disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Here's your host, Dr. Ravindra Mehta.
1: Acute kidney injury, or AKI, is a rapid reduction in kidney function that takes place over the course of hours or even days. AKI occurs in upwards of 15% of patients who are admitted to the hospital, with rates of AKI often surpassing 50% of patients receiving intensive care. This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Ravindra Mehta. Joining me to discuss acute kidney injury is Dr. Rajit Basu, Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Emory School of Medicine and and the Research Director of the Division of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine at Children's Health Care of Atlanta. Dr. Basu, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you for having me, Dr. Manta. It's wonderful to be here with you.
1: Why don't you start, Dr. Basu, with telling us what AKI is and what it is not? I think we have so much evidence now,
0: in anywhere from basic science models all the way up to the bedside, that acute kidney injury is not a simple process. We have a lot of evidence that there are multiple mechanisms involved, ranging from the cellular to the macroscopic in the animal. And in the human model, we have a lot of evidence that clinical signs of AKI have a lot of different manifestations. What we understand now, more than we did 10, 20 years ago, is that there's a complete heterogeneity of the
1: AKI process. And I think that the bigger aspect for us to recognize is that the heterogeneity is very different in the developing world versus the developed world. While the common pathway of having a decline kidney function occurs in both, the etiologies are quite different. So for example, in the developing world, environmental factors such as malaria, diarrhea, are much more prevalent, whereas in the developed world, trauma, sepsis, are more common to contribute to the disease. So maybe I can ask you, given that we have this basic problem of acute kidney injury and its, and, and it's a progression overall, what would be an approach for us to start tackling this problem? I think the first step is to simply appreciate that there are patients
0: at risk. And the 0 by 25 <clears throat> initiative for uh, global AKI recognition and awareness is Founded on the principle of the five R's, and those R's are risk, recognition, response, renal support, and rehabilitation. So the first R is risk recognition, and I think more than anything else, what our data shows us now at the bedside is that we should and could and have the possibility of identifying the patients that are at highest risk. The previous paradigm has been that we take a very diverse, heterogeneous population of patients and Seemingly, look at them all the same, but we have the ability now to narrow that population so that our our intuition, our clinical sense of who's at real risk and who's not at risk, is more refined. So,
1: what are the risk factors for a kidney in
0: injury that are now recognized? I think, as you mentioned, it really depends on the patient, and you know the the if you break it down very simply in terms of developed nations and developing nations. The, the, the primary risk for all patients is, is one, of, one of similar uh, background of shock or infection states. We know in children, even though comorbidities are somewhat lessened or different than in adults, we don't have as many patients with diabetes or heart disease, we have plenty of children who have a history of oncologic process or cancer, transplants. We have plenty of kids who have overwhelming systemic infections that lead to other organ dysfunction.
1: Yeah, I think that in the adult world, one of the key factors comes in is your underlying comorbidities. Uh, Chronic kidney disease, heart failure, diabetes become key areas which are of concern and add another risk. The other aspect we found with the 0 by 25 was that dehydration and hypotension were common factors across the world. It didn't matter whether you were in the developed or the developing part of the world. So those become a key part. I guess the question then becomes is, given our current diagnostic criteria of creatinine changes and urine output, how do those play into us understanding the recognition of the disease, given that you could identify people who might be at higher risk?
0: I think the issue with creatinine and urine output is that they are the absolute necessary foundations of how we understand kidney injury. I think creatinine and urine output are functional markers of what's happening in the kidney, but they're relatively generic. So in my sense, the way we are approaching this, both in kids and adults, is the idea that we use creatinine and urine output as the baseline, and we have new novel diagnostics that we use together with them, because I believe that the way forward in in addressing the diagnostic paradigm is to start with creatinine and urine output and build upon them and become more precise in our understanding of aki as you were part of the acute disease quality initiative in 2011 that talked about this idea of using creatinine and urine output together with other things maybe you can address that
1: as we have moved forward over the last eight to ten years is the recognition that there are different biomarkers which might be available to us. But if you think about them in terms of there's a group of biomarkers which reflect kidney damage, and there's a group of biomarkers which reflect kidney function, not too different from say the heart, where in the heart you have ejection fraction or a cardiac echo telling you the function of the heart, and you have troponin or CPK as a biomarker telling you what's happening to the to the damaged segments of the heart. And by combining them, you have a better profile. So to that point, I think what I'd like to ask you is there's this, over the last few years, there's been the concept which is emerging of acute kidney stress. And how how do you envision that? To me,
0: this, this concept of stress is no different than the way our whole body functions in individual organs. As an intensivist, one thing I'm always thinking about is this system of shock. And shock is really a supply-demand problem of oxygen balance. So this idea of kidney stress is that same concept, that there is a supply-demand phenomenon. There's a biology that's happening in the kidney that is actually damage. that is actually this idea that the, the, the kidney is demanding more than, is, than the supply is, is available to it. And so this idea of acute kidney stress is simply a, a parallel to the other organ systems that we have a more developed understanding at this point, and potentially, what we're able to do is identify that that demand is greater than the supply phenomenon happening in the kidney.
1: No, I think that's an excellent point, and I think just to reemphasize that is, uh, I, I, I think that we we have always felt that uh, we could rely on one set of tools, but it appears to me that now with the appearance of a variety of different biomarkers we can actually start looking at our patient profiles in much more systematic and definitive way. So maybe you could tell us about the portfolio biomarkers which have emerged and what has been the data and evidence to their utilization so far. The,
0: the biggest, let's say the most prominent biomarkers that are coming out are uh, a collection of damaged biomarkers that are specific to the tubular epithelia in the kidney biomarkers such as NGAL and IL-18 and KIM-1 and LFAVP, there are mechanistic biomarkers like the cell cycle arrest biomarkers, TIMP2 and IGFPP7. There are other interstitial biomarkers that are NAG and PI-GST and these markers that tell us not only the mechanistics of what's happening, but also the location with the kidney. And I think the, the strongest evidence comes from the idea that we can use biomarkers to do a form of population enrichment. So there have been a series of studies now looking at the TIMP2 IGF BP7 marker, where patients after cardiac surgery or general surgery are tested in this way for the biomarker, and if that level is above a certain threshold, they are enrolled in a in a series of kind of supportive care measures. Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing that we wouldn't say that we're doing. But the data show us that those patients that have this marker that's elevated, theoretically telling us that the demand is greater than the supply in that kidney, and are, are systematically checklist-driven toward the supportive care measures, we do a prognostic enrichment using kind of a biomarker-driven phenomenon. We also have evidence that in preliminary study in kids, we can take patients that are identified by a risk prodrome uh, that we call renal angina, And they get tested for a damage biomarker. And those patients that are positive for renal angina and have a positive biomarker in that sense, for a positive damage biomarker, they do better when they get early initiation of fluid management, such as continuous renal renal replacement therapy. So in a sense, what we're seeing now is rather than have a blanket approach to all patients with, quote, AKI, we potentially have a more refined approach to understanding, well, this is damage associated aki
1: that that's a, that's a that's a fascinating area and i think would you would you do think that these biomarkers have also a prognostic ability to me
0: it is one of those that there are bi- the biomarkers don't predict anything the biomarkers identified the damage that we previously were not rec- able to recognize
1: and so i think the question becomes is what is the biomarker being utilized for is it to to recognize that a disease process has occurred, to define what the course of the disease is going to be, define the intervention points, or to suggest what the prognosis is going to be. I think that uh, for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to CME from ReachMD. I'm Dr. Ravindra Mehta, and I'm speaking to Dr. Rajit Basu about acute kidney injury. So, Dr. Basu, if you go back to the idea of identifying AKI early on the biomarkers with the specific ones, TIMP2 and IGF binding protein, where do you see their future?
0: I think they're part of the story. Uh, we have early evidence that I had mentioned earlier of the importance of using biomarkers such as TIMP2 and IGF-PP7 to narrow down those populations at risk.
1: And I think uh, just to emphasize one other point that you, you were mentioning is essentially, if you have a high risk population, you add a biomarker and you identify the course of disease, which is early enough, then it might lend itself to an intervention to prevent all the downstream things happening. Could you comment on I know that that uh, in the pediatric world a lot of emphasis has been on electronic alerting and the Ninja project yes. in terms of drug nephrotoxicity so ninja is is nephrotoxic
0: injury negated by just in time action it's a it's a very simple premise with the idea that you utilize the electronic medical record to identify patients that are exposed to nephrotoxins yeah. and in that system The rounding pharmacist or the team member uh, is alerted that the patient's at risk for nephrotoxin-associated AKI. So at certain centers now, a urine panel will be sent for a urine damage biomarker to assess what degree of AKI do we have with the creatinine that's changing. And, And I would actually ask you, Dr. Mehta, in the global sense... In in the world, as we talk about the developing nations uh, and and the signal that's coming from there, what are the points of intervention that are possible in, in that in the rest of the world? Really,
1: I think our our study, which we did with the zero by twenty five, which we did in Bolivia, Malawi, and Nepal, we actually took a point of care, creatinine to a healthcare centers out in the community where there were no doctors and with a urine dipstick. So just with a combination of a point-of-air creatinine and urine dipstick, we were able to identify patients at high risk for acute kidney injury, and then those who actually develop acute kidney injury.
0: So what I hear you saying is there's still a role for creatinine and urine output. And
1: I think absolutely. I think that creatinine and urine output are going to be the, the basis against which we judge and actually combine other biomarkers with. I don't think that they can be they're going to go away in any way. On the contrary, I would take them as being very informative, maybe not as early as some of the other biomarkers, but they are certainly going to be of great utility as we go forward. Well, I, this has been a very valuable discussion. I think it's a very exciting time for acute kidney injury. Dr. Basu, it was great speaking with you today. It
0: was wonderful to be here, Dr. Mada. Thank you for having me. This activity was provided in partnership with Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit, please be sure to complete the post-test and evaluation at reachmd.com prova. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.